Hello and welcome to the Weekly Four podcast. The Weekly Four podcast. Where things are talked about. Do, 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 do. By most of the time, both of us, unless one of us falls asleep too early. <clears throat> Some of us are not nocturnal freaks of nature and try it to wake up 11 early. at night. That's late, man. Not that late. Late enough that I passed out. Is um, back in the in the background. It's really nice. Are they wired? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, wired it's... headphones, way to go. That's also the <clears throat> like. Thank God Apple still has wired headphones because the wireless ones. I always just find I either lose them. The wired ones I somehow keep for like years. So the best wireless headphones are still only almost as good as a wired connection. Right, it's true. And you don't lose them as easily. Um, it said you updated our topics for tonight, but I don't see an update. Yeah, I was thinking about different things to throw into random, and then I decided not to write anything. Got it, because you want to go to bed early. <laughs> no, I <laughs> Short figured, let's just see where it goes. I mean, there's a lot of things going on, right? Like, And there's a lot of random things going on. Right. <clears throat> yeah, so we'll see. the Maybe world I'll... is... Yeah, the world. Throw a couple in there that will go off script at the end. Well, my phone has 19% battery, so that should be good enough to get us through. Yeah, mine also is very low on battery, so that was the other part of it. I'm leaving my phone and I'm not touching it, and I'm hoping that it just survives the recording. Otherwise, nature will dictate the length of this uh, podcast. First time anybody has ever called their cell phone nature um, in history. so let's start with sports. So right now is kind of the calm before the storm in sports. Baseball's ongoing, but the football doesn't really start for about another week and a half. Basketball has not really started their training camps yet. And hockey, um, like September is going to be crazy. And October is kind of really when the sports season picks up. But it's kind of like, um, it's just kind of like the calm before the storm. So not that much going on in sports. So um, that's kind of the only thing I had to say about that. Do you think that's an appropriate topic for a con- for one of our a, a title for a topic, considering the weather forecast that Houston has? Oh, it's in the Gulf. They have no idea where these hurricanes end up. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I just figured it would be something to make fun of. The other thing is, you know, it's pretty amazing how this point of the year where there's like no sports going on makes absolutely no difference in my life. Yes. <laughs> It, it affects me because the Astros already played today. And I'm like, what am I doing tonight? Ah, oh, perfect. I have a meeting and I have this podcast. So that Wait, is the baseball season time. still going? Yes. It goes until October and then the playoffs start. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Sort of. I have a distant recollection of it. Are the Astros doing all right? They're doing very well. They're five games, five game lead in their division and are one of the favorites to potentially win the World Series this year. So. Huh, interesting. And what about the Blue Jays? It's good because their star shortstop, I literally just read this article beforehand, uh, is probably leaving next year to go get a much bigger paycheck elsewhere. So it's kind of like he's basically already said that he's not returning to the Astros. So Does that mean he's going to play better or worse? He wants a big contract extension, so he's going to try to put up a good year. But all these guys, like, they're, they don't even if they're going to a new team, they're, they're all incentivized to have the best year possible because how much money you make is directly tied to your performance. So, right. and baseball out of 
every sport is probably the most individual because especially when you're hitting, cause it's just you against the pitcher. So you really have way more basketball. There's five guys on the floor at one time. Um, you've got some great players that never won NBA championships, hockey, also the same thing in football. It's even more, you're one of 11. And while quarterback is extremely important, um, you need a, a whole team to win a Super Bowl. So baseball is really a one-on-one. You really kind of the play on the field is basically a bunch of one-on-one occurrences. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Interesting. How's uh, how are the Blue Jays? How are the Blue Jays? Uh, they're in like third place. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs though. Uh, they're <clears> a few <throat> games back. They they're young. Kevin Biggio, Craig Sun is currently out with injuries. Um, and their pitching staff hasn't been great this year, so. Okay, so I don't have to deal with any uh, gut wrenching hope. No, being no, I pulled yeah. away from me at the last minute. No, I, I don't. I, I don't. Nineteen ninety three is not repeating itself. Joe Carter will not have to come out of uh, retirement to uh, hit a walk off game winning home run. And Roberto Alomar can't forget that guy. He was not. He was on the ninety three team. That is correct. <laughs> questioning me never I wasn't. but he anyway um but so it's funny the one sp- sports pickups yeah sorry, exactly the one sports story i did want to talk about uh-huh. is this is the 50th fifth anniversary of the passing of archibald moonlight graham the most famous random baseball player probably of all time who never even got an at-bat in major league baseball no way so, he literally came in and played the field for a little bit, but never had a chance to hit. So his story famously <laughs> was set in Field of Dreams. He was the old doctor played by Burt Lancaster in the movie. Um, didn't even look that one up, everybody. Um, and um, and basically then ends up um, getting his first ever at bat on the Field of Dreams. And then when, uh, hopefully this isn't a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, it's over <laughs> 30 years old. Um, then uh, when Kevin Costner's daughter falls, he steps off the field knowing it will age him and helped her um, as the doctor he was at the time, um, even though he had already passed. I mean, it's a great movie, but you have to spend a little like, do not try to look at it from a realistic perspective, obviously. But um, but his story, he was actually in real life, never played got an at bat played him for a second and ended up <clears throat> becoming a pediatrician and they asked him do you ever have any regrets in your life that you were a full weren't a full-time baseball player and and helped and and to medicine instead and he said it was a shame i never got an at bat but it would have been a much bigger shame if i never got, had a chance to take care of all those children so and in um, feel the dream he gets an at bat correct and then he saves a child correct do people think that feel the dream is meant to be taken literally no, I'm just okay. saying that when you talk about it logically as a film and then you're saying like how all of a sudden he ages backwards and forwards um, when a lot of the rest of the film is sort of set in reality, it's not really a sci-fi movie. <laughs> when you talk about that, it sounds like you're talking about a sci-fi movie. So. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, you would think that a talking field would be able to extract a hot dog from a young but, girl's but throat. But Archibald Moonlight Graham was a real person. So that was the thing. He was a real person that, that Bird Lancaster played in the movie it was they literally looked up somebody that never had an at bat but played in the majors but never had a chance to have an at bat 
So. Yeah, that that movie made me always dream of having like a proper baseball field in my backyard. It was such a nicely groomed field. I thought you were talking about having a catch with your dad is where you were going with that. Yeah, me and my dad used to play catch. There you go. Yeah, we there was a park down the street from my house in Toronto. Do you want to play catch with him again? Uh, nah. Listen, me and my dad, like, we played sports almost because I was like, what society expected us to do. But the reality is, neither like, of you enjoyed it. <laughs> of, I don't know, maybe like a little bit. But like this week, me and him had a really great conversation about like the definition of money and wealth and all these other things. That's the stuff we've always enjoyed. But sports, not so much. Yeah. Um, anyway, don't worry. This sports conversation is short-lived tonight, um, and we move on to history. So, oh wait, by the, the way, one other question I want to ask yeah. you before you move on to history: How is your pitcher power hitter guy doing? Oh, Shohei Otani. He hit his 40th home run today. He gave up four runs um, in five innings. Didn't have a great day pitching, uh, especially since he was playing the worst team in baseball, the Orioles, who I think just after losing 19 games in a row, I think finally won today against him. Um, I'm checking literally right now the scores to see if Orioles, I mean, a 19 game losing streak is a long time in baseball, um, which is very, yep. They finally broke a 19 game losing streak tonight against uh, the angels, but it wasn't him. He left the game with the lead and then their bullpen, the angels bullpen uh, blew it, blew it up on him. So he was actually winning uh, even, even though um, he wasn't pitching great, his team was still winning and then his bullpen lost them the game today. So, but 40 home runs to leads baseball and home runs and has a, ERA of three, which is still very, very good. So I'm, I'm, I'm judging him positively. Um, so that was the update. I gave a little bit of an update on him last week, uh, but that is your Shohei Otani update for this week. Um, so on this day in 1944 uh, was the liberation of Paris. And why I bring that up is because of the famous story, how, again, Paris was liberated today, but before that happened, Hitler literally ordered his generals to burn down, or some of his, I think it was his general, but burned down, ordered Nazi troops to burn down Paris, take, burn down the Eiffel Tower, or destroy it, destroy all the famous Paris landmarks. And they actually, I think it was the one order they really refused because none of them wanted to go down in history as the people that burned down Paris. Um, and and the Arc de Triomphe and everything, because once again, Hitler was so when they came in in 40 and took over, was so proud of the achievement, the fact that he had to fall back and leave Paris, he wanted to leave it desolate and destroyed. So um, um, they should have not followed a lot of Hitler's orders, but at least that one they didn't follow. So they did. Want- they did plant the explosives. They planted explosives all over the city, I'm pretty sure. And they no, just but didn't it, detonate them. They didn't detonate. Fine. So, yeah. I mean, you can you can plant anything anywhere as long as it doesn't go off. It doesn't matter. So, yeah. But yeah. Um, and this was so this because the it was the battle for Paris was not very long, but it did start off like the final battle, I guess. Um, but initially, it was the I guess Free French Army. That was no, fighting, I mean, right? Paris fell. I mean, because this is also, remember, D-Day was June 6th of 44. This is August, right. what are we, 26th today of 44. So, I mean, they were just all retreating back to the Rhine. Um, and they knew that they um, are as close to the 
possible to the Rhine. Um, and then eventually they'd set up in that winter, the Battle of the Bulge, they tried one last counterattack through the lines, but they were in no position uh, once the Allies landed at Normandy by, I mean, to, to hold Paris very long. Yeah, so. and it, it's interesting. I was just reading an article today that compared German soldiers to American soldiers because even though they lost, German soldiers still to this day, I feel, had like this sort of like... Reputation. No, they were the they were the best soldiers in World War Two. False. So the article, false? the article says that if you actually look at the data, other than Battle of the Bulge and the Ardennes for a little bit, the Germans were in constant retreat against the West. And so, if you look and you say they were the superior soldier because fewer Germans yeah, were but, dying versus no, but the it was... ah, wait wait. Fewer Germans were dying compared to the Allied. It was simply because the Germans were in defensive positions and they were they were in constant retreat, but they were retreating to defended, pre-prepared positions, whereas the Allies were assaulting those positions. So when you assault a fortified position, there's been lose. a lot of history written written how the German soldier was the most prepared, especially since again Hitler was building up that army since thirty three. Yeah. Um, then all the other. Our armies, as well as the fact I would th- disagree, I think it was probably, thank God, that they had some faulty general leadership in Europe, um, rather than the fact that it was the individual soldier. Again, I, I, I'm quick to try to separate out um, strategy of an army versus an individual soldier. I think the German individual soldier was the strongest, not that the German army was necessarily the strongest army in World War II. And that was exactly what this article was trying. I mean, look, it's it's, it's a matter of opinion, right? But this right. article is, is saying the exact opposite, that they had this reputation because in the initial no, it was, battles... But yeah, but that's, that's only looking at the death figures. I'm talking about just overall preparedness and um, it just seemed like that they were more battle-hardened than uh, most. But again... Um, again, I'm I'm relying off of previous historians, so who knows? That's what right. my basis is being formed on. So yeah, so this article just basically talked about the fact that um, the comparison also wasn't fair because in the initial battles, when they were fighting against the French and the British, that wasn't a that was a different army versus the American soldier in 19. 19- 44 Correct. who was better equipped better trained and better motivated one of the things this article talks and, about and and a mo- lot of those german soldiers were already on the russian line or they, uh-huh. were, they were not necessarily the best german soldier who by who the americans were facing by 44 uh and and yes and and so the interest but yeah and and in the battle just to bring it back to the topic in the battle for paris it was when there was just the French, the Free French Army fighting against the Germans. It was pretty violent. I mean, the the, the Germans didn't just surrender; they didn't blow up the entire city, Correct. but they, they put up a fight. Um, part of it also was people thought initially when the when the fighting first started in Paris, that would be similar to what happened in Warsaw. But fortunately, the Allies didn't have the same agenda as the Soviets. Right? The Soviets let the Free Polish Army fight the Germans, get killed by the Germans, and then kill the Germans because that way they didn't have to deal with the Free Polish Army. when The, the Soviets wouldn't have to deal with the Free Polish Army when they took over Poland, so they let them get killed by the Germans and once the Germans were done. So anyways, the people were worried that the same thing would happen in Paris, but reality was that the, uh, the Allies actually... It, the funny thing is, is, in this article, they were also what they referenced was 
that the reason the Allies got to Paris so quickly was because Montgomery and Patton were were racing to see who could liberate mm-hmm. it first. Yep, <laughs> that is definitely true. The Ego. way to it's the way sometimes to have the best results is to have some competition, as crazy as that is. So, yeah. Um, then the other thing is this is actually the fourth anniversary of Hurricane Harvey here in Houston, we, which we both experienced together from the then known. Um, wow, you know I can't remember the name of the apartment building we lived in. I'm gonna wait until you figure it out. Nope. Nope. Huh? I was about to say I was about to say the apartment I lived in in New York. The Meritage. I remember. Uh-huh. Or the mer- the meritage apparently is I think the actual pronunciation how they called it. Oh, we all call it the meritage. Um, I think that's because of Steve Simon. Um, be Canadian for till 120. Um, uh, we're about to get into a famous Canadian in a second, actually. But um, but yeah, but it was that to me was one of the craziest experiences of my life having a uh, eight month old baby in the house and losing power and just seeing the water get higher and higher, knowing that it still hadn't hit our upper garage in our apartment building. So I wasn't really worried about uh, water coming into our building, but imagining the chaos and seeing the street. And I mean, I mean, we've had floods before, but that was just a whole new level also because normally it always hit our area, but to see the whole city have damage like that was incredible. Yeah. And we were surrounded on all four sides of the building by water. That was also the first time no, that we were, happened. No, we were in an island. Which, uh, which an also... An island in the sun. <clears throat> was it I sunny? I think that's what Weezer was thinking about. No, I don't think it was, it was very sunny. Either. Do you remember... Um, it, was do sunny, you remember... it was sunny the, after it stopped running when the water was high for a little bit. Yeah. And then do you remember... Were you, were you awake or like around when they were evacuating the building across the street from us with helicopters? Yep. That was nuts. Yeah, that was crazy. You just kept <sighs> helicopters overhead, and it was, it was crazy. What was funny is though, because we had an interior facing apartment at the time. I think you guys did too, right? You, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you were you were still our neighbors, and and like we faced the pool. You looked at the pool area. You'd never know that there was a flood going on because the, it still drained out all the water that. F- in our pool area so you'd look out and be like oh we can go into the pool right now like the next day and then but all around you was like flooding it was the oddest thing yeah that was always the i mean because yeah each time there was one of these floods it was always bizarre waking up and seeing the pool the way i i I generally knew something bad had happened was either the water fountains in the pool were shut off um or because we had lost power anyways but um but yeah it was it was like it was almost it was surreal Right, because it was so quiet looking at the pool, and then you go on to the other side, and it's just—I mean, it's not chaos; it's just this crazy yeah. body of water yeah, that's just I mean, engulfed your building. It's worth working. Anybody, if anybody listens to this that has not seen pictures or videos, it is worth googling Hurricane Harvey and seeing those pictures, because for a major city to have that type of destruction <clears throat> might be the only time in history of a city of our size. Because think about it. LA and a horrible LA earthquake hasn't happened in a very long time, knock on wood. And New York City, I guess a little bit had it with um um, but it was only the lower half of Manhattan. Um yeah. with um oh my god. This isn't good, man. I I'm like hitting old age. What's the hurricane that hit New York? I don't know. Oh, uh like eight years ago. 
for some reason the name Spencer comes to mind, but it I'm was not sure Hurricane not Spencer. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna look it up in a minute. Um, Make sure you don't drain your battery, though. No, I won't. Um, but anyway, it, it's <clears throat> worth looking at those pictures to see um, how crazy it really flooded here. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. And you know the 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 other thing that I always thought was pretty crazy is that knowing the extent of that flooding and how crazy it was, how quickly the streets and everything just drained. Right. And that we were able to not go back to normal, but you and I, I think when we went out and drove around the neighborhood, it was, you know, a couple of days after the first rainfall and it was already, the streets were already clear. Right. Um, Hurricane Sandy, not Spencer, Sandy. It wasn't S, but Sandy. Oh man, look at that! I see. I, that was the thing. I knew it was an S. <clears throat> so I just said I put something out were there. Were you not living in New York th- at the time? Nope. Got it. I think we were living in Montreal, actually. That makes sense. Yeah, I remember um, at the time my uh, the COO of the company I was working for was in New Jersey, and like he basically, I mean, he was good guy but worked a lot and uh basically during the hurricane was like in his car in his driveway because that was the only source of power he had yeah it was like taking calls from his car in his driveway during the hurricane but that's still you know the 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 crazy thing about harvey also was the those bands like it would it would pour and then would clear up and you're like Oh, maybe we're in the clear, and then they'd be like, "Nope, another band just going right. in circles around the city." And, 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 right, and, and it just stopped. Right? I mean, it literally just the hurricane. Normally, hurricanes just roll through a city and then keep going. It literally just like stopped over Houston and just came dumping. Was going so slowly that that a lot of these times when you're this far inland, it's not the winds that do the damage. It's just the flooding if the thing doesn't move. So, yeah, yeah, it was pretty awful. <laughs> anyway. To any prospective people moving to Houston, don't worry. It was four years ago, and we've made a lot of changes since then, and still come here because it's highly unlikely to ever flood. Wasn't well, like, like a, every five hundred year five hundred year hurricane? That was like a thousand year flood. I thousand think. year hurricane. See, so actually, I think it was like a ten thousand year flood because I think 10, we had like thousand two... years. Yeah, we're fine. It's, yeah, when ten thousand year floods happen every year. Although um, if this uh, tropical storm does form into a hurricane, the Levinsteins are coming to the Mitzners. The Mitzners are going to Florida. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. Like I said to my wife, Stephanie was like, "Oh, do we have to? What do we have to do? Be prepared for a hurricane?" And I'm like, "We have a lot of bottled water. We have a generator. Between those two things, we're going to be just fine because." Wind damage is possibly the only thing. We have rooms that have interiors with no windows. That's maybe the only thing that can happen is have some couple of broken windows, but rarely are the winds strong enough by the time it hits Houston to really take out windows. I've yet to be, I've lived here now on and off for 35 years and have yet to see um, wind damage, at least in our area, ever be responsible for the damage from a hurricane. I mean, come on, dude. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I'm not That's... challenging anybody. I'm just talking about history. Yeah. And uh yeah, it should be it should be okay. And then the last thing on this day oh, is today... do you have a gallon of water per person for yeah. well, not if your whole not if your whole family comes over. I'll bring our water supply. <laughs> um yeah, I think we have enough. We got a lot of bottles, so um 
It's also game show host day. We also have a pool that we can always go to to use water for our like toilets and stuff. But whatever. we're not using drinking water to flush toilets. I'd sooner yeah, that's what I'm saying. Poop. I'd sooner pee and poop in your toilet that, in your pool than. Uh... Don't do that to my pool, man. Not if you want to get invited back. Um, <laughs> during a hurricane. <laughs> even during a hurricane. Um, it's game show host day. Both Monty Hall would have been his hundredth birthday today. A famous Canadian and the host of let's make a deal. And Regis Philbin would have been 90 today. Um, who is the host of who wants to be a millionaire, which as a like 15 year old, I really tried to get on <laughs> through their online uh, call system. If they had to be 18 or older, I think I entered my dad's birthday and then uh, figured he'd go on. If not, if I couldn't yet. So that was pretty funny. So, um, Monty Hall and Regis Philbin. So may they both rest in peace. But I just want to talk about they really both of their shows. Monty Hall's show still lives on. It's hosted by Wayne Brady, I think, in syndication now. And Who Wants to Be a Millionaire also still on with a different host. It's very rare. Um, obviously, Jeopardy is another one like this. But it's very rare that shows that have famous hosts that they still live on. 20 years after them being done and still being successful. It's really the odd game show that is able to stay on for years and years at a time, even without their original hosts. So is um, the Price is Right still on? It is. It's also one of the few. I think the main five that are still on with different real hosts, like different hosts from their, like from the show's creation is because even Jeopardy, um, Trebek wasn't the original host, but let's make a deal. Who wants to be a millionaire? Price is right. Um, because Jeopardy. Jeopardy, Jeopardy, and Wheel of Fortune still on its original host. I think. Um, I think Pat Sajak the original host, but I think that might be it. So, <sighs> see, this but, is just one of those things that it's like this generational change, also, right? Like we know the original hosts, and I mean, the likelihood that our kids even that those shows are still on by the time it's relevant for our kids is low. No, probably but it's not. not question. Probably not, because I mean, let's make a deal. Was in like the seventies it premiered. Now it's still on the air with Wayne Brady forty five years later. Who wants to be a millionaire? Premiered in 01. It's still on the air twenty years later. Um, no reason to think. Uh, Jeopardy's been on the air since. I mean, it, it was originally on, then it went off, and then once they brought it back with Trebek, and it's been on since then. So uh, it remains to be seen. But let's not forget again, Sports Jeopardy. No, that's no longer on the air. What about Deal or No Deal? Is that still the original host? What's his name? The guy? Howie Mandel. Is he still hosting so. it? Yeah, but I don't. Do they make any new episodes anymore? No, no. They had it on TV so. when I was at the car dealership. No, recently. I think it may just be on the old episodes in syndication. That's the type of show that, like, you can just constantly reuse the episodes and not need to make new ones because, again, it's honestly, there's zero logic in that show. You it's pick suitcases. Literally, there is no strategy. You have to know no trivia. You literally have to decide wait a minute, is this more or less than the 50%? of what's remaining out there. If it's more, you probably should take the deal odds wise, unless you're a big gambler. If it's less, you shouldn't take the deal. 90% of the time until you get down to the four cases, you should never take the deal. And then if you have a really expensive case left and like two cheap ones, I think half the time they offer you a pretty good deal and then you take it. I mean, literally you can either play the, be a true gambler there and go all the way to the end, or you just wait till the guy the banker, which is literally a computer algorithm, probably offers you uh, a decent deal. But 
that is one of my least favorite game shows ever because literally you answer no trivia. There is literally zero skill involved in that game. Oh my god! And the people are so annoying. Yeah, and then because they, they don't have to be intelligent. By the way, and then they go to people for advice. What should I do? What do you mean? Throw the <laughs> dice or don't throw the dice? That's really, really simple. Ah, Does he offer more or less than 50% of what's left outstanding? And like picking out the random numbers, like, I mean, you're welcome to play luck, but literally, I mean, I think it might be the only game show that literally requires zero skill. We'll have to look into this. We're going to try to think that not knowing any knowledge not knowing like because even in even in um wheel of fortune you, you have to be good at solving puzzles i mean and trying to guess things with few letters in them definitely a, you skilled. have to have a decent vocabulary correct I, i'm trying to think it's a good question i mean who like let's make a deal also kind of doesn't really have much skill in what's the premise of let's make a deal i don't remember you basically are offered like you can have two hundred dollars or you can have what's behind door number one or two yep let's make a deal also it's funny is also probably in the same mold of right because the price is right does require some like logic and like, oh yeah even if it's just yeah, knowledge and, and, of and prices. consumerism yeah yeah knowledge of consumerism oh definitely did you, did you ever see the how, how i met your mother where barney goes on the price is right yeah because he thinks bob barker's his father <laughs> yeah. yeah i watched i think i watched every episode of that show oh, uh, maybe not show. like the last season until the last episode but it like all shows. It's, it's funny. All these sitcoms tend to lose their creativity after about seasons three or four. The worst thing about them was that they had this premise, so they had to address the pe- premise at some point. Yeah, but they were way too slow with it. Way too slow with it, and by the time they did it, you were just like, "God, I just want to know what happens." And like, I'm not even going to do the spoiler well, alert the, on it. But, yeah, the spo- yeah, we could. Yeah, but we could do oh the my god. Alert. Yeah, oh. literally, it was uh, it was one of the worst TV show endings I've ever seen in my life. By the way. I, oh, you know what? I wonder if they even maybe they did that on purpose because it was so bad. Because it was such a great show. Only right? the first few seasons. Eventually, it became stupid. Uh, I guess so. I don't know. I, I think I always sort of appreciate. I feel like Marshall and Lily were very much in a similar timeline to Tanya and I. So I also feel like that was a part of it. Like they were newlyweds, and then you know. Oh, and so, I felt like Ted Mosby a lot. So yeah, except. Have you met Steven? He may have been one of the more neurotic people I've ever seen on television. Yeah. His character just, and it got like more and more annoying as the show went on. Yeah. I'm going to find true love. Yeah. I mean, it was literally, he had like an eight year old's perspective on dating, is what it felt like, or a 19 year old. And he like never like matured, is what it felt like in terms of his outlook on women or life. It was whatever. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, Architects. <laughs> yeah. That's a different discussion. Um, so that is done for our history on this day. Uh, one of the weaker days. I couldn't find really any famous events that happened other than Harvey flooding um, and the liberation of Paris. Uh, I mean, not that those are weak events, but normally there's like 10 truths from those are like the only two that even stood out to me at all. So, um, I mean, the one that I saw. August 25th. Not a red letter date in history. Well, there was. Um, where is it? Hmm. I saw something interesting. Uh, regard. I mean, I, I'm. I'll, where is it? Where is it? Why is Wikipedia not showing up? My thing. So, oh, here you go. The Battle of Vukovar. So, 
the Battle of Vukovar begins, which was an 87-day siege of Vukovar by the Yugoslav People's Army, supported by various Serb paramilitary forces, between August and November 1991, during the Croatian War of Independence. So 30 years ago, there was a full-out war raging in mainland Europe, which also led to like some genocide. Well, yeah, and, Croatia. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because the problem is that was also towards the fall of the end of the Soviet Union. So I feel like that got kind of wrapped up in that. Yeah, but it's just crazy to think that only 30 years ago, like I remember seeing on the news, like there was it was a war. Like they tore the country apart. I mean, it was a full out war in Europe, modern warfare. Um, and that was only 30 years ago. And it was, it was, uh, it wasn't, yeah. But it was just crazy when I saw that because I was just like, I remember growing up seeing on the news, you know, Herzegovina and Bosnia and Croatia and and all that going on and seeing it on the news all the time. And I guess, I mean, I was much younger, obviously, but not necessarily associating that. This was, this was not in the middle of Europe, but yeah, not, yeah. But it yeah, it's still, funny. Yeah. Eastern Europe has always been like, eh, if there's fighting, they're going on. It's kind of like Africa. It's it's just interesting how, unless it's really a first world country, worldwide media, worldwide press, they kind of forget about this stuff. It's fascinating, as if because it's not a first world country, that the lives being lost are any different. Um, and speaking of wars, it's a great transition to what's happening. The Afghanistan pullout, which I will write in our notes. Um, the United States not getting Afghanistan pregnant. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I really wanted to make a comment about pulling out, but then I decided that wouldn't be appropriate since this is a family-friendly podcast. Yeah, but I think my my comment was kind of just along the lines that if you were smart enough, you could understand it, but it could still be family-friendly with that line. Fair enough. So, yeah, the pullout from Afghanistan is complex. Complex, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Apparently, they're doing a better job now, as from what I've seen. They're getting more people out every day. But the beginning was so blundered. This whole thing with such a short timeline is so insane. You still hear about people, Americans, that have no idea how the heck they're going to get to the airport. Um, the Taliban basically saying, after August 31st, we're going to just start killing anybody who's American and left behind or who is ever. I mean, it's it's literally they have like six days to evacuate a country and they're leaving all their freaking weapons behind for these people, which is very nice of them, but really, really stupid considering um, the Taliban are not exactly a friendly next, your friendly next door neighbor. No, they're not the, yeah, the, the whole, the whole thing is really, really sad. So it's really sad because it's, this is the, this is what makes me sad about it. Because I'll, I'll I'll say before what makes me sad about it, a part of me, and and a very small part of me, but a part a part of me is somewhat, maybe it's more hopeful than believing that maybe just maybe the Taliban realizes that if they're really big jerks that they won't be in power long. But I don't know if that's that's true. typically what happens to caliphates, right? So so a part of me thinks that was also sarcasm. But a part of me thinks like maybe just maybe they realize that if they want to have their caliphate, which to a certain extent is a legitimate 
ambition, they need to behave. They can't, they can't be, be the way they were last, in, you know, from 96 to 2001. And if the, if the religious leaders are able to say rationally, we want to be able to have this country that's led with Sharia law. In order to do that, we can't be barbaric. We need to play by the rules of the globe. Um, maybe just maybe that doesn't happen. But Joseph Levenstein, optimist. I try sometimes. But You're what, trying very hard with this one. Yeah, but what really yes, but what really makes me sad about this is that it's the manifestation of this notion that exists on both sides, right and left, where my words, my opinion, my truth should be perceived as fact. And what this has shown is that the fact on the facts on the grounds are the facts, not what Joe Biden wants to be true and not what, you know, politicians or, or people want to think will happen. The reality is, is that you have to look at things and you can't just look at them from the perspective of how you want them to look or what you want them to be, but what they actually are. And I don't, I'm not a fan of, Crenshaw, Dan Crenshaw, I'm, I'm really not because he, a lot of his things I strongly disagree with. But he said, you know, did we have to leave now? No. Did we have to leave, period? Maybe not. He said, you know, one thing that he, he the comment he made, which really resonated with me, is that in the last 18 months, there hasn't been a U.S. combat death in, in Afghanistan. So this arbitrary decision of we need to pull out because we shouldn't be there, which then leads to this scenario that we're in now. That's what makes me sad because it wasn't necessary. Maybe there is a way to draw down in a more responsible and timely way. You know, setting an arbitrary timeline to get something done serves no purpose. And that's what makes me sad. What makes me sad is just this, this notion that if we if we think something is the way it is and that's how it will be, and and especially in that part of the world, it just doesn't work that way. So yeah. it was unnecessary and it could have yeah, been done and, better. And, this, and, and people are suffering. He's a veteran now. of Afghanistan. Like you may not disagree with him on a lot of stuff, but he's been on the ground there. He understands probably more than almost anybody of what it means to be in Afghanistan. And again, yes, the fact we haven't had a casualty there in eighteen months means that something was somewhat working. Although I yeah. will give you the counterpoint, which I saw was um, was presented by Fareed Zakaria of, of CNN, said that basically we had the Taliban down to like 5% control in Afghanistan. By the time before all this happened, they were already at 50% before the pullout. That they've already made huge, huge gains um, in a lot of these places and that the U.S. was already really losing this war. And even though we controlled Kabul and a couple of other major cities, that they were controlling a lot of territory in Afghanistan even before this. So for sure. Um, but again, um, I, I can't imagine that there wasn't a better way than the video of seeing somebody fall from an airplane. I mean, literally, it, it looked like the images were reminiscent of Saigon with Vietnam. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, um, and and, and people's and, people's desperation, and also. I'll, I'll I'll counter that, which is to say, initially there were videos, and this is this reminds me of nine eleven. I'll explain why in a second. But 
there were videos of people cheering the Taliban as they came into their cities. Right. Right. The Taliban couldn't have just taken over a country like that if if people were opposed to them. There were people that were happy to have them there. And, you know, of course, the media is interviewing all the people who are not happy to have them there. But you know, there are people that are happy that they're there. And the reality is, is that even if, you know, from a Western civilization perspective, Islamic law and Sharia is unappealing or, or offensive, well, you know, that's their religion. And so if people well, actually not want really, that, but not everybody there again, and a lot of the women who didn't have much say beforehand are finally getting some say they're going to have no say basically once all this happens. So remember that's half their population. Um, yeah. And again, I By the way, but not all like, the women, not all the women feel that way. There are, yeah, but, but the median Muslim age, women. I think, of Afghanistan is literally like 25 years old. So over half the people are 25 and younger, and all they've ever known is kind of this pseudo-democratic U.S. state, and they're helping, allowing them to get an education. So yeah. again, I'm sure, especially in the smaller towns and whatever, a lot of these people are happy because a lot of, I'm sure, their husbands are very happy to kind of have this back and it's a backward state but they also they are like gonna, having the americans there right you're gonna have a lot of people that will ultimately be extremely horribly affected by this so yeah and and to go back to that quasi optimist in me who i don't know who that guy is but you know whatever we'll let him hang out for a bit more maybe then they just leave right and it sucks because it's their country and they shouldn't have to I don't, leave their country it's not like they can and they're going to get massacred probably they're not going to get massacred i don't know man it's going to be we're going to see come september what it's going to look like there and i do not think the reports are going to be kind but let's hope joe the optimist is correct i hope so optimist would hope so um then um trying to talk about something a little more domestic um pfizer finally got formal fda approval um it is now um as if it's any other vaccine in terms of what it's been approved for the question is a does it matter and b now that it's formally approved should this be required from organizations and schools like the mmr shot is like everything else that's required in order to send your kid to whatever school they go to. So if they're 12 and up, should they be required to have this shot taken and should employees who are also required to be vaccinated things also now have this required now that it is past FDA approval. So I would love to hear your opinion on this, Mr. Levenstein. Well, Mr. Mitzner, what I will say is this. Two things that, that come to mind as sort of the top issues to be considered. One is it's still relatively early, right? And and I don't say this as an anti-vaxxer. I, I'm vaccinated. Right, and still and nobody I, knows the long term. And I intend, to, I intend to vaccinate our – we've talked about it. We will most likely vaccinate our children once our pediatrician and says, yeah, you know, this is, this is the right thing for your children. But – to mandate it and to force it on people at this point in time, um, in in public school system. Let's just let's just go. Let's start from there, right? Because right. public school system, if if it's That's free right. and, and all, Correct. right? Like if people don't have a choice; they have to send their kids there. If they can't afford, right. to send them anywhere else. Now, if your employer says to you, so Goldman Sachs actually, I was listening to the Wall Street Journal this morning. And it, Goldman Sachs is basically saying that if by September, I don't know, 
remember the exact date, let's just say September 7th or September 9th. If you're not vaccinated by September 9th, you must work from home. That makes which, sense. Which is pretty fair. Now, that statement is on, on the assumption that you're able to do your work from home. If you're not able to right. do your work from home. Then and Goldman you... is completely back in the office. I was actually in their offices about a month ago. So okay. I can I can speak from experience that they are all back in the, they're all they are all back in their offices. Um, again, some people might requested, but the official company policy is for everybody to be back in that office. Right. So so that's so that's one thing, right? Their corporate headquarters in New York is what I'm referring to, also because they have offices everywhere. But so so if your employer says you need to be vaccinated, well, at least in the U.S., it's mostly at will employment and. If that doesn't fit you as a criteria to work there, then you're you're free to look for another job. Um, so so really, the mandate of public schools to me is where there's the biggest issue, and and that's where government needs to be very cautious. In you have terms somebody of, at your door? No, just Tanya walking around. Oh, I just thought and I then, heard the doorbell. Uh, she put down something on the counter. And then, so that's, so that's one thing, right? So like employees, public schools, right? It's all very different. And, and you know, government employees and, and all that, you know, it, you're still an employee, right? So public schools to me is really the big question mark, right? You can't, you, you can't, or, or, or my opinion is you should not um, prevent children from coming to school, the other side of it is also is that to say, well, then they can do remote learning. That's a, it's, that's not an option, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. you have to figure out how to make it work and, you know, whatever that looks like. And and so that's where the, the complicated part is. The, the other thing is, I don't know if you can hear the popcorn in the background. Tanya's making popcorn. Um, the other thing is that the other side of the point that I think is important is it's a very divisive thing, right? It's, it's, it creates this division. Like I was listening, when I heard this thing, the report about Goldman Sachs's plan, it made me realize like this is going to create a division of people of the, you know, vaccinated and non-vaccinated intentionally or not. And anytime that something creates a division like that in a societal level, it makes me a little bit nervous. So to me, the other side of it is, is that, you know, MMR and, and to your original point, you know, all these, these different vaccines, they've been in the system for decades. And there are still people anti them. It's just a way, way smaller. It's a tiny subgroup rather right. than anti people getting the COVID vaccine seems to be a larger subgroup. Right. So, you know, the, the, the concern is, is that, you know, if you're going to alienate, you know, in some places, 40% of the population then you have to ask yourself, well, what does that entail? But right now with all of our emergency rooms reaching capacity for COVID capacity, again, a lot of these places set aside a percentage of their beds for COVID patients. Like like everybody, they're kind of scaring the crap out of people by saying there's no more room. They're, like I was in the maternity section of Texas Children's Hospital. There was plenty of beds open and available in the maternity section of Texas Children's Hospital. So while there are a shortage of COVID beds and a shortage, because again, the hospital set aside, I do think that it may be a little misleading the data, but the, the COVID is way worse. I've heard from plenty of doctors than they ever experienced this before at the beginning of the pandemic. 
which makes me think that, I mean, at what point do you require it for public health reasons that companies should do it for not only for themselves, but just for the overall public good? I mean, that's why we require people before they start positions, they get a lot of different vaccines. If you sure. said hospitals have plenty of capacity, I would probably agree with you. But because you're at this reduced capacity limit right now, and again, hopefully this thing passes through quickly, Delta, and and COVID will we'll have this second wave and there won't be any more waves. Seems unlikely, but let's hope. But um, it, the question is, where does public good come into this also? Right. And 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 the, the fact is that Pfizer's vaccine being approved by the FDA is probably not going to sway. Maybe it'll sway a small percentage of the people that have until now avoided getting vaccinated. But a lot of the people that I've spoken to that have avoided vaccination, they think the FDA is a scam to begin with, right? They think, you know, Fauci is out to get them and, and, you know, big, uh, big brother and big sister are coming after them, you know, to microchip them with their vaccines. So, FDA approval is just, oh, you know, that's just big government playing into big pharma. That's that's how they see it. So I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference from people's perception. Again, maybe a small percentage of the people who have avoided it to date will now be like, okay, the FDA has approved it, whatever, you know, versus the previous FDA approval, which was slightly less whatever, less uh, official. Um right. I don't think it's going to sway them all that much. And so, you know, to me, it's, it's one of these things that it's a nice statement. It's a nice formality. I don't think it's necessarily the game changer. And, and if people right now see what's going on and they still don't say to themselves, you know what, for the benefit of society, I'm going to inject myself with toxins and I'm going to wear a sweaty mask on my face so that I'm protecting myself and also protecting those around me. FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine isn't going to change their perspective on anything. I, I, I tend to agree with you on that aspect. I, I also think that people who aren't getting vaccinated, this isn't changing much for them. But yes, listen, every little bit helps. So even if it if it adds a few more percentage points, every little bit helps. I think employers requiring vaccination is going to have more of an impact than FDA approval, right? Because that hits yeah, people oh yeah. where it hurts. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you, because by the way, that would highly be way more effective, but employers it's, it's, it's again, you're, you're risking alienating your, your employees as well as, as potential lawsuits. So. Right. And by the way, the div- the division that I also was thinking about when I heard the Goldman Sachs news was, and I don't mean to pick on Goldman Sachs, because I'm sure there's many other companies that are going to have and will make that are known as the medics. evil empire. I don't think Goldman Sachs is so bad. I think they're no, actually just really smart, and uh, they're yeah. just the, they're basically the best at what they do. And when you're the best at what you do, everyone hates on you. Yep. Um, but the division also that I was thinking about was. You know, let's just say the um, the operations person who sits at, a, at a, on a desk and works on a computer, and they said is told, "Well, if you don't vaccinate, then you have to work from home." Well, okay, I'll go work from home. But what if there's a custodian 
or yeah, um, yeah, or, they, they or, can't work or, from home. Good luck, right? And so they don't have the so the the issue there is that they don't have the same freedom of choice Correct. that the employee has because they can't do their job from home. And unless Goldman Sachs is going to just pay them to sit at home because they're refusing to vaccinate, then they don't actually have a choice. Yeah. And that's that's the division that worries me more because that's a socioeconomic division. That's saying the person at the lowest tier. Well, and, and by the way, that, to be fair, there could be someone that makes $10 million a year at Goldman Sachs that cannot work from home. So, Correct. But, but more likely than not, it's going to be... Yeah, manual labor like, can't be done at home. Yeah, you can't be like, okay, I'll clean the bathrooms from home. Well, that doesn't really work. Exactly. Um, so we have about five to six minutes left before we kind of hit our magic one-hour cutoff. Is there anything else you would like to discuss? Well, you know, I consider myself uh, the luckiest barely... man on the face of the earth. No, sorry. Well, yes, that too. Um, and then but... Lou Gehrig died from ALS, so just be careful quoting that line. Is he the one that said that? That was the famous speech, July fourth, nineteen thirty-nine. Oh, today man. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. What was the context of him saying that? Uh, the ovation that they gave for him at Yankee Stadium in honor of his day and how well everybody was treating him. And him probably not knowing that ALS was really a death sentence Oof. in 1939. I mean, literally, it, he's they changed it to call it Lou Gehrig's disease. I mean, because uh, well, there was so little knowledge about it at the time. Um, but apparently, now I'm drawing the What was the name? Oh, Just Fans. Only so, fans? Only fans, yes. Oh, man. So, so this is the craziest thing to me because... You heard that now they're not changing their platform. They, de- <laughs> they decided against it. Oh, you hadn't heard that? They just came out. It was on Twitter literally about an hour before we did this podcast that only fans, I'll give a little bit of quick background. They were, in order to get banking and revenue, we're going to have to get rid of all of the pornography on their site and all of the people and models who are charging. Um, apparently, they just said that they're not changing it because somebody smart with them is like, Forget about getting banking and financing dollars. You realize if we get this done out from our site, our site is going to go under. Like, it's one thing, like, you can always find alternate sources of funding if you're a successful company, probably from somewhere. It's probably more expensive. But if all of a sudden you get rid of what makes your platform unique and successful, then the financing doesn't matter anymore. No. Whoever was in charge and saying we're going to get rid of that from our site would literally... I think 95% of their users use it for that purpose. That's yeah. one of the stupidest people on the planet. So, by the way, this is the exact same thing as Joe Biden saying we're going to be out of Afghanistan right. by August 31st. Oh, in like, principle, this is... Or, yeah, or but he's theory, not changing it. Well, we'll see. He's not going to change it because I guarantee you he'll... All of us, the the Taliban have agreed August thirty first. They're not extending their uh, ceasefire. That's that's the thing that nobody's talking about right now. They had the U.S. envoy meet with one of the head of the Taliban, which was unheard of twenty years ago, in order to make sure, saying we're going to get out of here by this date. Please don't attack our people. And they basically, I think, are letting people have better access than before i'm, I'm pretty sure that so there was i don't want to go on a tirade on that because when i when i was reading about that i got so angry about so many things a 
whatever. I don't want to go into that because the the fact is is that for America to say please don't attack my people versus if you attack us, we're gonna kill all of you. But whatever. That's a separate conversation. Yeah. We don't have enough time for that. But what I'll say is is that so so what was what was interesting to me was that is it just fans or only fans? Only fans. Only fans. This thing happened. This OnlyFans like empire emerged in in like social media and technology and COVID. Ah, uh, interesting. So I knew nothing about it. So when when I started yeah. reading, about it, I started reading. People weren't able to go to strip it. clubs, so but I think that's a big part of it too. Do you, these women, they're pulling in like yeah, a ton of money, a hundred thousand dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, doing pornography from home. They're not even doing pornography. Some of them are. Some of them are, but like a lot of times it's, it's just the craziest thing to me because stripping or whatever, but yes, they're making a little more money beyond only fans and stripping than they ever would be a stripper anywhere else. So what's crazy to me about it was, so a was that whole, the, now that you said that thing about, excuse me, about reversing their decision. Ah, that just validates what I was thinking, which is like, what on earth are they thinking? Like, this is their either like. Accept who you are and take that yeah, stance, or exactly. or close up the business if you're like, oh, this makes me feel uncomfortable. But if but like to make that sort of statement, like it's just such a complete detachment from reality. <laughs> they literally were going to take their own company under because of the bank's fear in their business. They were literally going to shut down what makes their business unique. It, yeah. Literally, I mean, the leadership there, like because again, if you have a successful business. It may be more expensive, but somebody will fund you that has a little bit different of a moral compass than some of these banks. There are private institutions that will give you that money that just don't care and care about making money and not about whether or not they're okay with moralistically is what goes on in your site. This was about one second, but this was about access to the banking system, or this was about yeah, this was about this yeah, was yeah, the yeah. banks and lenders telling them that they didn't feel comfortable with the precautions they were taking about some of the content on their site. Why are people they, might, why might they, be concerned because they're terrified of a lawsuit because nope. they were saying like uh, people being coerced into performing acts against their will. Um, they don't want to potentially be criminally liable. Got it. Well, what I also wonder is why on earth are they even like this sounds like the type of business that should be printing money. Why do they need access to financing? Everybody needs access to financing, my friend. That's what makes our economy great. Exactly. Well, on that note, I would say that um, you're gonna go that... sign up to sign on to OnlyFans now. Not, they're not changing. Yeah. By the way, only and he fans... kept looking for just fans. That was his problem, ladies and gentlemen. He was so excited <laughs> about this website. He kept looking in just fans, and is getting some sports website. He's like, "Damn it, this is not what I'm looking for." Well, OnlyFans, um, and uh, I would yeah. say that um, this conversation may have eliminated OnlyFans from ever being a sponsor of our podcast. Um, but uh, I but think, that's okay. I think that's okay. That, but that's yeah, that's definitely okay. But um, yeah, it's just so crazy how these things emerge and like take force, and the numbers, the revenue numbers that they create are just crazy. So, yeah. um, by the way, note, so you know, yep. Liam just woke up, so I'm going to go and lie back down with him. Also, so the timing has been perfect. Ladies and so, gentlemen, have a great week, and that is the end of our podcast. Have a good one, thank my you, friend. Steven. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one.